News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. My name is Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyke. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Very good. Yeah. Good. Beautiful day today. Another gorgeous one. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, driving around today, um, driving around today and yesterday, just noticing all the hydrangeas. Yeah. Just this it coming into color. A lot of them that would, you know, start out either lime or white and they're turning all the different pinks and reds and everything else right now. I mean, there's nothing like a hydrangea that for, for show color. Uh, in Saskatchewan, um, you know, for that a flower from basically beginning of July until freeze up. Yep. I mean, there's not many shrubs that will do that other than Potentilla will basically bloom all summer long. But uh, for hydrangeas um, and the varieties that are coming out now that are hardy for Saskatchewan, it's, uh, yeah, we used to have to go to B- BC or Ontario to go see all the hydrangeas like yes. that. Yes. You know? Yeah, I remember. I have a great mix of like lime green. I've got some pink ones. I've got the white moth ones in yeah. my yard. And I made some beautiful floral arrangements, just cut flowers and put them in my house yeah. as well. So, um, and, and my son really enjoyed some of the spiders that came off of them <laughs> in my home too. <laughs> well, last night I drove by, uh, there was, there's a, um, a condo project over on University Drive, and uh, I drove. We planted it two years ago, all with, with a little lime hydrangea. Yeah, okay. And they're just all in color right now. The whole surrounding the building, and it just looks incredible. Well, even yeah. though even though I have in my backyard, it's a white variety, but it is turning pink now here in the mm-hmm. fall. It's getting kind of a yeah. a pink coral kind of look to it a little bit. So it's yeah, it's and it it got it got big this year. Mm-hmm. I you know this is the the year that it's. It's kind of funny though because it, it almost won't stand up by itself. Yep. <laughs> I, can you can you tie those things up? Yeah, Should you do that? You can do that right at the beginning of the season. You know, you can use a almost like when you trim it down. You can use like almost like there's a peony hoop that comes in two parts, mm-hmm. and so you can put one on either side, and it has a, a you know like a it'll be like a horseshoe, right? Okay, yeah. and it'll hold them up, or you can put some bamboo stakes with some. You know, string around them or whatever. Okay. But, but I but, find with my hydrangeas, making sure that you're pruning them in the spring is really important. Yeah. So prune them down to about a third, and then you're going to get branching and bushing yeah. so that it has more branches to hold up those heavy blooms later. Well, when I water my, like my mind gets a little bit of water spray when the, mm-hmm. when the sprinklers are on, yeah. then they all lay down. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all get heavy. Too heavy. heavy. Yeah. And well, there's then, so many blooms. Right? Yeah. So many blooms. And they're big. And then it's then about half, you know, half a day later, it stands itself back yeah. up, picks itself back up. But I'll have to get some of those hoops like you talk about because yeah. well in- incredible okay incredible is a big white one and, and, and it's like a sm- like a small like a, almost like the a size su- of a volleyball a volleyball yeah right yeah <laughs> heads and like you said it'll get wet and then but most of them like they're, they're pretty tough like uh they'll stand up like a lot of the new varieties which are more dwarfer like little lime or uh bobo or um um, little lamb, uh, little lamb, or little quick fire. All those ones are a little bit dwarfer, about three, three to four feet tall, and they're a lot sturdier. So. Mm, okay. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. There's a couple ways to join the show. You can give us a call with that number, or you can send us a text. There's something special happening today. So if you are looking for a great Sunday family event. Oh, yeah. Today is the day. Okay? Great day today. It is a great day. It's yes. it's a beautiful day. It's going to be nice temperatures, yep. not too hot. Yep. We're going to see a little bit of sun and cloud today. It is called the uh, Honeywood Nursery, right? Yep. Yeah, it's Honeywood called Heritage, Heritage Nursery. Nursery. Yep. A touch of autumn, and it starts at 11 o'clock. It goes till about uh, 4 o'clock, and the nursery tours start at 1 o'clock. So. so you can jump in your car right now. Yeah. Right? Listen to the show as you drive out. And have a great afternoon. And also at the same time, you can stop at the Petrofica Bridge Orchard 
and pick up some cider and some if, if they're open. Apple we'll have to check that out. <laughs> I would imagine they're open this time of the year. So. It's five dollars admission. Um, they also do bring some cash or check because they don't take credit or debit there, and uh, they have so we'll have some fresh pie and yeah. some rides for the kids. You rides know, for the little kids. garden tractor and trailer and some so great music. They'll have a craft fair. Yeah, exactly. You get to see the nursery, which is really cool, and it's more than just there's of course all those lilies that Bert Porter came up with, but then they have and all you can these purchase fruits. a lot of them too. The, right. The, perennials and trees and shrubs too. But you can also, you get to see the whole nursery. So there's mm-hmm. yeah. all kinds of fruit trees. It's a really beautiful place. It's really manicured. Yep. This little log cabin that was, you know, the original homestead there. And like you were talking about the, the events that are going on today specifically, it's kind of like a little mini fair, yep. right? Yeah. So. It's going to be really cool. And the colors are, you can see on the river here, the colors are starting to come out for fall, so it's a, it'd be a great little afternoon trip. It's a great part of our heritage here in Saskatchewan yep. for the horticulture industry. It's yep. close to Shellbrook. It's in between Blaine Lake and Shellbrook, basically. It's over by Parkside, Saskatchewan. So, yep. Bert, Bert Porter, um, my memory of him is that I used to, when he used to come over when I was a kid, right? Because my, my, my dad were both, they were both pioneers, right? And so when he came to town for a conference or something like that, he would end up staying at our place. Or sometimes he stayed at Sarah Williams' place and, you know, other places. But when he came to my place, <laughs> when he came to our place, then I got moved out of my bed and <laughs> I went and slept on, on the, on the couch or the floor or whatever. And he got, he got my bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> It was good. It was. It was. He was such a nice man. So that's uh, cool. Yeah, it was good. Good memories. Okay, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's go to Weyburn right now, and we'll talk to Lynn, who's got a call for us. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Uh, I have a, a honeysuckle vine, and this year it had so many white spots on the leaves, so I turned them over, and they're little teeny tiny, in black insects. What would they be? Um, it could be two things. One, it could be just a, a black aphid, or the other one, it could be if, if you're seeing the holes through the other side, it could no. be a little, a little, almost like a little pear slug on it. Okay. No, there's no hole. There's no it's hole on the other side. But but you're seeing an in, you're seeing an insect though on the back side, right? Well, it's so tiny, yeah. you hardly see it. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, it could be for this time of the year, it could be like I said, an aphid, or it could be there, there's, there's a little tiny, like almost like a little slug. I noticed the other day I got a picture from a weird caterpillar, and it was actually a hawk moth caterpillar. And uh, I've never seen one around very much before, but I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of insects that are right now. Right now but you can just use some uh, some endol insecticidal soap on the plant, and especially in the honeysuckle, it will take care of it. It, it's so hard to spray it under the leaves yeah, and, where they are. And that's with all of them. That's why you end up spraying more than once, probably again in two weeks' time. But otherwise, you just try to take a, your sprayer and try to... I like using a hose-in sprayer because when you use a hose-in sprayer, you're using the pressure of the, of, the, of the hose and the sprayer, and it actually flips the leaves around because the pressure of the water is just flipping the leaves, and it works the best rather than just a little trigger sprayer where you're just hitting the top of the leaves. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I always enjoy your yep. program. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Lynn. Have a great day. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. Let's go to the text line right now. And well, John sent us a text from Lumsden. He said, what are your thoughts on fall dormant grass seeding? We've got lots of bare spots to repair on our acreage. We plan to use a hardy sports field grass seed. When would be the best time to do this? Yeah, about middle of October. Okay. So not right now. It's I, too warm. I, I'm still seeding right now to, for, for them to, to germinate this year right now. That's right. So, yeah. 
So, um, but otherwise, you wait till the middle of October, and then you can put it down uh, basically the latest you can. You know, you want to watch that you don't get caught with the snow or frozen ground or anything like that, but mm-hmm. as late as you can. And then um, you want to be able to work the soil a bit so that your, soil, your grass seed gets buried just a little bit and uh, so it doesn't blow away on you uh, in the wintertime. But other than that, um, yeah, put it down as late as you can. Okay, all right. And that's, you know, yeah, you can either do that. Or you can get it going now, right? Or, is, yeah. is there enough time, though? You'd have to, like, with the temp- with the temperatures right now, not a, it, easy. Yeah. Right? You'd have to it, keep it watered. It's germinated in five days, right? Yes. So it's, I mean, with temperatures, I mean, it was warm yesterday. I was in a t-shirt out planting shrubs and everything else yeah. yesterday. So that you're, that, you're right, Jill. That is the problem, though, is, like, if you're doing this on an acreage and you don't have water, yep. mm-hmm. if you do it in the fall, get the seeds laid down. In the yep. spring, the snow water and melt that's, takes that's, care of getting everything correct. going. Like the yeah. guy was doing a dry land, so mix, so then you want to do it late in the fall. Right. But if you got irrigation, yes, you could do it. Then you could do it. Okay. one yeah. 332 8255 What we're going to do is take a little break, and then we're going to get back to all the texts. We've got Linda's text. We've got Monica in Saskatoon, Daryl as well, Dorothy and Borden. So we'll get to all these when we get back. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJ me in 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. Uh, Daryl texts us and say, by the way, uh, Google Maps says that it's 126 kilometers from my driveway in Saskatoon to the Heritage, Heritage Nursery, if anybody is wondering. So, so Daryl's hopping in his car. Where is he from, you said? Saskatoon. Okay. His driveway. His driveway in Saskatoon, okay. 126 kilometers. So okay. it's just a just over an hour and a nice drive down yep. a nice road for a Sunday drive. Yep. Honeywood Heritage Nursery. What do we call it? Autumn. Um, Wait. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm throwing, you, I'm throwing you under the bush here. A, a touch, touch of autumn. There we go. Okay. Touch of <laughs> a touch of autumn. So really cool uh, experience out there. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's one of those kind of uh, grasswood things. You know, yeah. it's really awesome. If you're way. a part of the Lily Society or a Lily Collector, it's a great place to go and get some uh, unique Lily plants. Yeah. They'll have yeah, a sale of all their lilies Bert, and perennials. Bert Porter was renowned around the world for his lilies. He, shipped, he shipped lilies around the world, right. literally around the world. You don't have to be that yeah. uh, deep into horticulture to yeah. ex- like enjoy this, though. Yeah. This no. is going to be really cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a really relaxing, beautiful experience. In fact, if you ever get time, if you're in, just if, whether you're driving to Prince Albert or you know Prince Albert National Park, you can take... The, the back way around, you know, mm-hmm. and you go through that way. And then, especially if you go in July, you'll see the lilies all blooming in the field. Yeah. And the different varieties he had is just incredible. Okay, let's go to the text line. one 332 8255 Linda and Regina says, I've got a top-grafted weeping caragana that had aphids and ants in the summer, which I treated. Yep. Now there are black spots on the leaves. What might this be? How do we treat that? Black spots could be from... Two, number one thing is usually if you got overhead irrigation, um, you will get black spots from you know the residue from powdery mildew, and so um, uh, so watch that because caraganas don't like to have water. They, they're more of a dry land plant, obviously, mm-hmm. so they don't like being sprayed every night with the sprinklers. So if you have black spots, it's probably a fungal of some sort that um, that or it could be also the black could be also residue from the aphids. Because obviously they excrete sap, and when sap oxidizes, it turns black. Yeah, right. Okay. So there's two things: fungal, or it could be the residue in the sap. So you need to take a closer look at it and see. Yeah. And also, I mean, we're just about done with the leaves this year, right? Pretty much. Yeah. So, but well, it, but don't forget one thing: you got to do is if you got aphids, you want to get rid of them now because pretty soon the aphids, because of the nighttime temperature, the aphids are going to lay eggs. During the summertime, they don't lay eggs; they actually give birth to pregnant aphids. 
Okay, so the so the right now they'll be laying for that's how they hibernate for the fall is they'll lay eggs and the eggs will hatch in the spring, and the eggs are actually pregnant when they hatch, mm-hmm. and so then even in the spring you want to get right when the leaves open up you might not see them but you know they're there so you want if you know you have a bush that you have a problem with just make sure you hit it first thing in the spring Mm -hmm. so that you get that first generation because otherwise within two weeks you have multiple generations now if you have funguses on your caragana you can use a copper spray or like a bordeaux or you can use a garden sulfur fungicide as well too all right. Uh, let's go keep going with the text line. This is from Monica. And it sort of touches on what we talked about a little earlier. But can I top dress and seed uh, grass right now or do I have to wait until the spring? So we sort of answered that a little bit earlier. But basically, yep. you could top yes. dress. Yes. If you've got irrigation, you could do it now. And if you'll you, get more germination you, and more grass. Dry land, you want to do it about the middle of October. And then and then it'll be ready for spring. Yeah. Yep. Although, although even dry land, uh, unless we're going to get some rain right away, then it'll make it germinate if it's warm. But if we're not going to, that's why I like waiting because sometimes in the fall we do get a rain right so yeah uh, so just wait till the middle of october and then you can do your top dress and seeding as well okay Dorothy, dry land. dorothy's and borden says thanks for the advice and covering my onions with the uh crop cover the, yep. yes. the cloth right so she stopped uh, your onion maggots she says they're the nicest onions i've ever had perfect amazing that crop cover is just a staple yep. item that you should have if you're doing any type of garden it stops so many different things yep. it extends your season and you can pick up what's called a cloche which is basically it's 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 like an accordion little greenhouse right mm-hmm. and it has the white fabric already and on little it hoops kind and of little thing. hoops on it it's so easy to use you just pull it down your row and push down the the little the little um, hoops into the ground and yeah, it has, and it, it lets over, the sunlight and the water yep, get in. Then it overhangs so. a little bit at the bottom, so you can throw some dirt on the edges, and now your your maggot flies won't get inside. There you go. Okay, so we've heard, heard from Dorothy. It works yep. really well. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Greg and Regina. Says good morning, Rick, Jill, and Jay. I've got two questions for you today. The first one, our 45-year-old juniper has, 45 years old, wow, yeah. 45-year-old juniper has some brown patches with spider mites on it. Yes. It is eight feet wide, four feet high. I want to cut it down with the hedge trimmer as small as I can before the winter. How much do I trim down? Until you still see green. Okay. I went into a yard yesterday and I saw they, they, someone cut back past the green. Now it's going to take a few years. You see all the sticks and everything else. It's going to take a few years to come back, right? Ugly for a while. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It will come back, but it'll take you three or four years, right? Now, if it has spider mite, maybe spray it with some ambush or uh, yeah. out now. You can do that yeah. if you want to. Spider well. mite, if more, most effectively is, you know, you know, be careful, read the instructions, but use malathion, mm-hmm. right? Because okay. it, it gets rid of them right away. Other ones, the, the bugs or the spiders are kind of resistant to some of the other insecticides. Okay. Second question is, uh, how, sh- how long should we leave our newly sodded front lawn for winter? How long should we leave it? Oh, like as in how long is the, the grass oh, be? How long should it be? Okay. Yep. So, yeah. So basically I like, I don't like, in the summertime, I like to be over two inches, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't dry out so quick then. But if for the wintertime, you want to be about an inch and three quarters just so that it doesn't mat down. Okay. You want, you don't want to skim it short because it'll freeze the roots, right? It'll, it's not good for it that way. 
but about an inch and three quarters. So half in between the summer length and the, and scalping it. Okay. You don't want to do that at all. An inch uh, and a quarter or an inch and three, three quarters? quarters? Three quarters. Okay. Inch and three quarters. I just don't want it to, ma- I want it to sit high, you know, tall, but I don't want it to be so tall that it'll, it'll lodge, it'll lay down. Yep. And then, uh, and then of course you get your, your, um, snow mold underneath there in and the how, spring. And how tall should you, should we keep it in the summer, you think? About two and a quarter, two and a half. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. Like out in the acreage, I keep it three. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I, I don't want, I've got more wind. I got more everything. So I don't want it to dry out. And, and my grass stays green all the time where my neighbor cuts it lower and his brown, his grass is brown because it's, it's no irrigation. Right. <laughs> now I have trouble with snow mold on my front lawn and there's something we can spray on our lawns too. Um, yep, you can do the, season. you can do the Bordeaux or copper spray. If you know you have an area where you're piling the snow all the time, you can pre spray late, late in, in, in October. And then spray it with Bordeaux, and that'll help keep away the uh, the, the the mold the molds as well. It'll, it's kind of a, a bit of a, a trial and error yep. finding out what the length of your grass you want it to be yep. versus what you're setting your lawnmower to be. That's I think right. my lawnmower's got like five height settings, yep. mm-hmm. and I usually run it on the middle one, which gives it just over two inches, yep. two, two and a quarter inches in Good. the summer. Yep. And I go down mm, one more notch. I don't. I never go down to the bottom setting. Yeah. Uh, no. For the winter cut, no, you don't want to do that, that last cut. Just just enough so that it'll it'll stand up, you know, be strong enough yet. Yeah. And um, yeah, otherwise, that's the way to do it, and you'll have a great lawn next year. Okay, perfect. Uh, who is this? Sandy and if you haven't fertilized your fall fertilizing, still time to do your fall fertilizing right, right now too. Right. Okay? In fact, I did my well. Okay. When you say fall fertilizing, are you talking about the last fertilizer that goes on that it's ready for next summer? Yeah, we do that right now. The one that would just give it nutrients, get the roots down, growing down deep. You know. Because I feel like I, I'm fertilizing it and watering it, and I'm just keeping it nice and green. Yeah, but now. you fertilize it every, every couple of weeks, though. So. Once a month. Okay. <laughs> then, it, then it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, but most people, most people fertilize three times a year, right? Once in the spring, once in the middle of summer, okay, and then once in the fall. So that's my question, though. In my case, like I just did it yesterday, right? Yep. yep. And I'm watering it in yesterday. Yep. And it's going to keep the, la- the grass green again. It'll be yep. nice and luscious green, which is fine. So, do I still want to do it one more time just before it snows? No. You're fine. No, leave You're it. Fine. Just leave it now. Okay. This is the last time. So there'll be some food for next year, or it'll there'll lose be, it all up in this. No, in this. Unless you're unless you're unless watering, you're watering you, like you every be, day. You should be slowing your watering down a little bit right now. But I don't want a brown lawn. Yeah, no. But you don't. You don't want to get a. You don't <laughs> want to slow it down that much. But you should be slowing <laughs> oh, down Jay. your watering now on your shrubs, trees, and your lawn. Yeah, well, I've stopped that. You yeah. know, you should slow down that because you want to get everything ready for winter time. So right. you don't. Want, you want to stress it a little bit, but keep it alive. You think if we just keep watering, winter will just stay away? Just, <laughs> yeah. It'll just stay green for forever? Yeah. I don't mind this fall weather, but you're right. Winter is a little hard. <laughs> we've had beautiful falls for the last... Uh, it's been quite a few. Yeah, yeah, right? no doubt. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a news update coming up for everybody right now. So stick around. We've got lots of text to get to when we get back. one 332 8255 is how you can join the conversation. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us. And welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You know, another thing you can always share with us, we'd love to hear about today, is things that went well in your garden or yard this year. We had like one of those that came a little bit earlier uh, from one of our texters who said, you know, I, I used the cloth to cover my onions from Dorothy and Borden, the best onions I've ever had. Yeah. 
You know, tell us some success stories because there's been good crops this year with, yep. with certain things, right? Some things haven't turned out great, but maybe you had something that was yep. awesome. So yep. we'd love to hear about it. They said the farmer's market, they're saying that they got so many tomatoes that are still producing right now. <laughs> yeah. The weather's been so nice. They don't know what to do with all the tomatoes they got. They got just so many tomatoes. So brag a little bit, you know, share, yeah. share that with us. We'll, we'll get it on the air for you. one 332 8255 Those are the numbers you can use to text us or call us and join the conversation that way too. Uh, we had a text that came in, and this is uh, from Sandy, who's in Saskatoon. Good morning. Once again, love the show and great advice. Thanks, Sandy. Wondering if uh, what the best time is to top dress perennial and flower beds now or in the spring. Does it matter? Yeah, top dress, you mean put soil in I think amongst, that's what compo- she means. I'm compost or soil and that kind of stuff. So I think you, that's what she you means. could do it either in the fall or spring, and it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't matter. No, no. Just, I, I like pruning my, some people like pruning their perennials down in the fall. I like doing mine in the spring because they add a natural mulch to themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hostas, people don't like doing hostas in, in the spring because their leaves are all mushy. <laughs> yeah, so, they're gross. Yeah. So, but, my rule of thumb in my yard is yeah. I like to do all my pruning in the fall yeah. um, for areas that get lots of snow. And yep. then the areas that don't get as much snow, I leave those plants up. Yep. And then my Carl Forrester grass, I always leave, leave up, up because yeah. I love the horror frost on it in the wintertime. Mm, right. Yeah. I guess another thing, the way you could look at it is. Uh, could you save yourself some work? If you're going to top dress with soil, you're going to be in that flower bed yep. next spring, cleaning up leaves, tidying up anyways. Yep. You might as well just do it then, yep. right when you're already in there, then and, get the soil going and, and, you know. And one thing you talked mix about. Mix it in. And when you talk about leaves as well, if you've got some more tender perennials, mm-hmm. uh, what you can do is you get some white garbage bags. Yep. Right. Put the leaves in the garbage bags and make pillows. Don't fill. Don't stuff them right full, but make pillow like pillow uh, looking like bags. Two thirds full. Now, kind now of you thing. can lay that on. Lay that bag on top of your perennial. Put a little stone or something like that, so it won't blow away. And um, and then you have a great protection because the plastic will keep the 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 heat in there. And then then the leaves inside the inside the garbage bag will act as an insulator. And, and I like the thing, white garbage bag because it looks like the snow in this winter time. Yeah, that's true. And, and it, also it doesn't it does reflects the, it doesn't absorb the heat. Yeah, right, it right. reflects the heat. Right. And then in the spring you can pick it up and you can just compost your 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 leaves and everything else, no problem. Now also what you should do is also when you bag your rest of the leaves and everybody takes their bags to the compost right away. I'm saying put your bags in the corner somewhere. Mm. Okay, and because you, whether you compost them in the spring or the fall doesn't matter. So put your bags in the corner because if you're going to get a brown Christmas. There, you might need those leaves to do some covering because there's no snow around in the end of November, right? In December, right? Right, and the temperature is going down below minus fifteen, and you're going, oh, you know, what am I going to go use now? I have to go get some, buy some, you know, mulch or whatever from the garden centers. Now, if you got these bags of leaves around, you can go and mulch in your yard. So just. Put them in the corner. You can throw the bags away in the spring, and um, or use them as compost in the spring. But then now you have them as an emergency in case you need to do some covering if we get a brown. Well, I call, I call it brown Christmas. And I suppose to, to kind of completely answer Sandy's text, you know, the thing is too, if you have a yard where there are a lot of leaves that fall, yep, that also does just offer some natural protection, right? That's correct. So then, you but know, on the grass, leaves, though, but leaves, on the grass, well, though, you can get you get your. I'm not talking about the yeah, grass, yeah. but I mean into the flower beds. That's that's yes. what she's talking about, right? If they're falling into the flower beds, you yes. get some natural protection from that. Exactly. So then leave them there, 
in the spring, clean them up, do the top dressing of the soil then, and you're good to go for the next year, right? Yeah. One of the things, too, is it's making sure that those leaves are dry leaves, too, and they're not soaking so yep. mm, wet. Yeah. It's right. really important. Or also start getting funguses yeah. and yeah, molds don't, don't, growing don't, on the ground. Don't want to bag a bunch of uh, wet, wet leaves. leaves. Okay. <laughs> Just n- natural harvest little tricks, right? Yes, you don't, exactly. You're not going to be combining wet, wet wheat, right? Yeah, well, yeah exactly. one 877 We've got a couple of texts there. Probably, pardon me, a couple of calls that have come in. We'll go to White City in a second, but right now to Regina to speak to Ed. Hi there, Ed. Yeah, hi. I'm just wondering about um, really hard soil, and I've heard this many times on your show, but I wasn't paying attention at that time, but yep. I need to pay attention. So two things you can use is one is gypsum, okay, and the other one I like using is just a cedar mulch. Not nuggets, not the bark nuggets or anything, but mulch, and I'll put a layer of that over top of my garden. And then I'll, I'll, or in amongst my perennials or whatever, and then I'll, then I'll work it up. Okay. And then the, all those sticks is what's going to cre- create it. A lot of people think they can put sand. Now you put sand in the garden, you're going to create what? A cement. concrete cement. <laughs> so don't use sand. You got to, if you're going to use a sand, you got to use a sharp sand, which is a, basically a quarter inch approximately of, of actually crushed not round pea gravel, but crushed uh, sharp sand, which has edges to the, and you can use that as well, or gypsum, or like I said, the cedar mulch. And that will break up, use cedar mulch. Uh, I had really hard clay in one yard I had. It was like a plastic blue clay underneath, and I had a great garden when I put the mulch in it. Also adding a little bit of that cocoa core has been working really well in yep. some of the gardens as well, too. Way so better you, than peat moss. Yeah, so if you grab yep. a brick of cocoa core and stick that into your garden, it's it's really great for the yeah, garden. Cocoa core is actually like a coconut. The, coconut. The, 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 the hair, husk. The husk. The hair yeah. is off the coconut, right? And yeah. you buy a little cube, and you, once you open it up, it op- expands almost to a wheelbarrow full, right? So it's oh, easy okay. to haul home. So is gypsum available at the garden stores as well? Yep. Pretty much most garden centers will handle gypsum. It's it's a staple. Is it a bag? It's in a bag. Yes. Yep. And does it make the soil white when you're done? Uh, nope. Nope, it okay. doesn't. Yep. Good. Nope. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I just one question that's always bothered me, and, and you just mentioned with your last caller, to put leaves over top of things to, to keep them from freezing. Does that not promote slugs? Mm, it, it, I mean, when you have leaves, it's going to promote places where, where things can hibernate, but you're going to clean that up in the spring, right? Ah, okay. Right? You're not no, going to leave it there. Not. You're going to you'll basically most likely clean it up in the spring, so then you won't have that issue, right? Okay. So. That's, that, that answers that. Okay. Thanks, Ed. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. And let's see, we've got time, I think, for one more call to get through. Uh, White City is where we're headed to right now to speak to Grant. Hi, Grant. Yes, how are you doing? Good. You? Good, good. I have a mountain ash that's about nine feet tall. Yep. And uh, last year it kept its berries or whatever and didn't drop them through winter. That's normal. Yeah, but this year when it came up, uh, only half the tree came green. The top half is just dead. Okay. So is there any way of saving the tree? Or, like, the bottom half has its green and it has the little red berries and stuff, but there's about three or four feet of the top that are, is just dead. Yeah. No, I just cut, just cut tr- the main branch? Yep, cut the main branch. Take your pruners and just nick the, the bark, okay? And yep. underneath the bark, if it's brown, is dead, and just keep it nicking it down until you get to the green, and then just cut right where the gr- brown meets the green. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. I was just yep. didn't want to kill it. Nope. But... Nope. 
Yeah, just All trim right. just trim it off so the brown, and then cut it in a bit of an angle so that water doesn't sit on with that cut, you know, and yeah. and then you're you're good to go. All right, good. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. Take care. All right, have a good day, guys. You too. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, we're gonna get one text in here. We'll get to the rest of them after the break. Uh, this one is from Julie, who's in Battleford, and this is an Apple question, right? Uh, so don't know which. Uh, variety she's got but says the first two pickings of apples were fine the third picking had worms kept the apples off the ground first time she's ever had worms yep. uh the trees are in the lawn in the grass yes. what can be done to prevent worms next year um the, the only thing that can prevent the worms next year is basically like i said pick those apples before they touch the ground throw them away get them out of the yard right. okay so that, that's number one key thing the other one is uh, put some lures up next year. So you put a fake apple. They come up basically the end of June and, Ju- and beginning of July. That's when they they come out of the ground and they start laying their eggs. Okay, you can look it up on Google. You can find out the life cycle and every every region because of the weather is going to change it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's why you want to be ahead of the ahead of the time when they say to put the lures out there. It'll stop some of them. I, if I lose a, a fake apple as a lure and I put the tangle foot on it, because what happens the fly wants to lay its eggs by the apple and gets caught in the tangle foot and then can't lay its eggs right anywhere else. It's stuck. But what I like doing is I put a little mesh around the apple because uh, I've seen little wrens get caught because they're going to try to, they try to get the uh, the flies off the apple, right? Oh, okay. And yep. then they get their wings caught on the, on the sticky goo, right? So I put a little cage around them and that way the fly can get in them, but the birds can't. Could so there's... you put a tarp down on the ground too so that the apples aren't landing on the ground? Yeah, but they'll still crawl unless you're picking the apples constantly okay. and then, then you won't see the worm. So then how are you going to get them off the tarp, yeah, right? That's true. So for... Unless you're vacuuming your tarp all yeah. the time. So for for Julie, it's really get rid of all the apples right now, basically. Pick Pick them all, get them all out. Pick them and get them out of the yard. Right. And so then you can start next summer yes bur- like you know early summer yeah. basically with one of those and then, and, then and, and those ki- those kits are available at the yeah. garden center right and, it's a it's yeah. a fake apple a fake it's got apple. the sticky stuff that comes with it and one thing good about the fake apple as well is you can you can scout it out okay you can check when the flies are starting to land on it you can t- you can google it and see what the fly looks like because mm-hmm. it is very distinguishable what it looks like and then once you see the fly then what you do then you can start your, your spray program too Right. Like all the, or- the orchards all spray, right? So, I mean, you can do a spray program and then you can use your, your pyrethrins on it and you can spray about every 10 days and then you'll get the worm before it goes back in the apple. So, Julie, I hope that helps you out. We're going to have a text from Caroline, uh, Kathy. Who else? Uh, we've got William in Regina, Donna in Saskatoon, uh, Nikki, and, well, as uh, a call, Nadine. We're going to get the call on when we get back from the break. So stick around. We're going out to Macklin right away. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, the sun is shining where we are. Nice Sunday. Hope you're enjoying yours. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and this is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We've got, uh, I put the call out there kind of last segment we were talking about. Hey, why don't you share a success story? And I think we've got one right now, which is great. So let's, let's start with that. We're going to go to Macklin right now and talk to Nadine. Hi, Nadine. Hello. I just wanted to tell you about my Norcant apple tree. It's yes. a dwarf. Yep. And it always had apples, but one here and there and small ones. Well, this year we had those terrible winds, and it broke the top off my evergreen. Yep. And the top off the evergreen fell against the apple tree, knocked all the apples off one side. And the apples on the other side 
grew big. I had about three dozen apples the size of regular store-bought apples. That's the first time that tree is done. That's because you, thin, you, 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 you thinned them out, right? <laughs> it thinned them out, really yeah. thinned them out, I'll tell you. So wow. One thing you can learn from that also is that also is that in order, because it needed more energy to produce those bigger apples. So make sure in the spring you use a, a, a fruit and berry fertilizer on them in the spring, okay? Yeah. And also keep the moisture at a right level, and then you'll have all big apples, okay? I think that's what happened this year, too. I think that I actually watered that tree. I, I don't know how that happened, but I guess I did. <laughs> makes, makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. I couldn't believe it. I looked, oh my gosh, look at these apples. And then, of course, I had to get the garden man to come and clean up the mesh. The apple tree uh, yeah. wasn't so bad as the top of the evergreen. And he went, evergreen. Anyway, the evergreen still looks fine. It was so tall, it needed a topping. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Nadine, for the call. Okay. okay thank you. Thank you. Good right. show. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. A lot, a lot of things happen by accident. Like I was telling a, somebody the other day that we had a fire one time in, in my in my fields, in my crop, and we had cover for the wintertime. Yep. And the flax straw caught on fire and, and it burnt my all my my uh, um, my cram my dwarf cranberries, mm-hmm. and I so I we were all burnt right down the pot. The plastic pot was all melted off, and I ripped the plastic pot and put them put it back into a new pot. Mm-hmm. That was the best crop of of dwarf cranberries oh, I've ever <laughs> had in my life. Now I wanted to burn them every year. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess it's something that you know if you've got an apple tree and yep. that's your issue is that yep. you've got a bunch but they're small. You can naturally, you could, you could do that yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't have to wait for a tree to knock, no, to fall over and knock the apples off. Thin, thin the thin apples. Them thin them out. Thin them out. Right? Yep. And, and like you said, fertilize too, yeah, right? Fertilize. And if you have lots of apples, thinning them out is, is good for a few reasons. A lot of times those apples will be heavy and sometimes yeah. you can break, have weak break branches, branches that will break. Yeah, exactly. So going through and thinning them not only prevents breakage, but also will help put some energy into having Just like you thin your apples. carrots so you get bigger carrots, right? Yeah, right. Okay. Let's go to Wadena right now and let's speak to Helen. She wants to know about geraniums. Hi there, Helen. Oh, hello. hello. Yeah, I was just wondering, how do you store geraniums, those that are in pots, and uh, that, and uh, those that are not in pots? Okay, so what you want to do is you want to bring them indoors, first of all, and you want to spray them with a product called Endol. And Endol is a pyrethrin with a canola oil in it. And you want to do that every 10 days for about three treatments, just to make sure that you, you have that. But before I do that, I'll cut them to about a third of their size. And that will just help it so that that mother plant stays nice and bushy. Um, then what you can do is you can store it down in a basement window or somewhere that's a little bit cooler if you want, or you can keep it up in the sunlight if you want as well too, and just decrease your watering on it a little bit. Um, throughout the season, it is going to grow and get a little bit lankier than what it normally did outside. So when in January, when I started in, increasing the watering in end of February, um, increasing the watering, adding some fertilizer, getting it growing again, that's when I'll start taking cuttings off the mother plant. Um, and then the cuttings is what I use to make my new plants for the next year. So I keep the mother plant, I take cuttings off of it. Sometimes that plant, because I'm taking the cuttings off, I'll still use that plant later, but those cuttings will help it bush out and be a lot sturdier and then the new cuttings will be what I use in my containers for the following year. Yep. So what kind of fertilizer do you use? Uh, you can just use an all-purpose 2020-20 fertilizer and I'd probably do that once a month. And then go half strength. Half versus, strength. So yeah. there will be on the back of the, the thing um, the instructions it says for houseplant use and just just follow those instructions there and then that would be a, a, a good one for that but I would stop fertilizing it probably until January or February and then pick up the fertilizer. You want, you, it needs to go dormant for a while so you want to put it you want to keep it someplace where you're going to water it very minimally keep it alive but just a little bit of light just to make it so dormant and then yeah like joe was saying get it growing get it growing in january february 
And if you don't have a cold storage room, how do you store them? Just a cool, like usually in the basement, cooler. a lot of the rooms are cooler in the basement, yeah. right? So just someplace we're near a basement window where it gets a little bit of light. My grandma used to keep them on the ledge of a windowsill in a basement. Yeah, that's what she used to keep them, yeah. Okay, and uh, well, when do you cut them, the geraniums down? As soon as you bring them inside. Cut them when you bring them inside, and then you can cut them, trim them back again just in less, February. It's less to spray, because you're going to spray and get rid of all the bugs anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So cut them back and then spray what's left. So do I do them now or later? Uh, just wait till later. You don't want the, like, watch the frost, okay? Because uh-huh. uh, we're going to, like this week, we're going to get another zero, okay? So you might want to bring them, if they're in a pot, bring them indoors, then put them back outside again, okay? And then you want them to harden off. And then when you notice the nighttime temperatures are starting to get close to freezing all the time, then bring them in, cut them back and bring them inside. Okay, and those that, that, I'm, that are still in the ground, how do I store them? Okay, if the you're one- storing those ones, in, like are you talking about your perennial geraniums? No, no. No, no. no you're, at, you're just going to dig I them mean, up? Peren- uh, well, just, just a no, annual, annual. Dig them up, put them in a pot and bring them indoors. Yep. Okay, Helen, sorry we can't have any more time. We've got to go to our news break right now, so hang on a sec. We'll finish your call off the air here. We've got a news update coming up for everybody, and then the second half of our show is on the way. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. It is hour number two of Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we've got calls and texts to get to. Hope you're enjoying your day. By the way, we mentioned this earlier on in the show, but it is Honeywood Heritage Nursery, a special day out there. If you're looking for a great family drive, it's called A Touch of Autumn. You get to see the nursery. You get to see uh, all the lilies. You get to see all the fruit trees, this amazing log cabin, and a bit of a little festival going on there. Yeah, some little rides for the kids, a little um, art and artisan. Um, fair. You can purchase some perennials and lily bulbs. The pie is really good. Great pie. Yeah, the pie is great. They use all like the fruits that are grown on the nursery to make the pies. Rhubarb. Apple and and rhubarb pies. Oh, really good. So if you're looking for a wonderful Sunday drive, great thing for a family to do, family friendly, good for the kids, even without kids, you're just looking for a, a really peaceful, enjoyable thing. It's a beautiful place to visit and a nice drive up there, really it, it, relaxing. It's amazing. It's mostly volunteers that keep that place going. It's quite incredible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> $5 for admission. Now, I just read this, but uh, they said actually usually pets are allowed on the premise on leash. Um, but they said no pets for the event. So keep right. your pets at home. And they don't have any debit or credit up there because, uh, there's you know, no internet there's connection. no internet. <laughs> it's an old log cabin. So bring some cash with you. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go to Finn later right now and talk to Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hello. What's your question for us, Kelly? Ah, uh, I enjoy your show. Just, uh, I got a question here about green ash. Yes. I planted uh, a row of green ash trees there about two years ago. They're growing well. Uh, most of the stalks are like, uh, or the trunks, like about an inch and a half. I'm getting a lot of offshoots coming off of it. Yep. Uh, do I just pick the best one and, and cut the rest, or how do I handle that, or just yep. let them grow? What I, you can let them grow if you wish, or what you can do is you could, I suggest that if there's a whole bunch of them, you, you leave at least two or three. You know, pick the best two or three, and then next year, then you cut, you cut that back to a single one once you've decided which one from those ones have done better. Okay. So, okay. but for now, I I I trim if if you're if you said there you said an inch and a half or something like that. You said a lot of trunks are. 
A lot of the trunks are about an inch and a half yeah. right now. So, so if you have a lot of offshoots, you could take in, in your main trunk is good. You could take all those offshoots off if you wanted to. It all depends on on how much of a windbreak you want. Because if you look at a lot of the windbreaks, they have multiple trunks on them, right? And that's fine too. But as long as they're, if you get too many of them, I find that uh, some of them, when you get a big windstorm, some of them tend to break off. Yeah, I'm not really looking for more of a windbreak. I just want a nice tree, like a singular tree in a, in yeah. a row kind of. If you just want a single tree, if your main trunk that's inch and a half right now is doing good, then cut all the ones off the base. Perfect. Okay. All right. Ahead. Thanks for the call, Kelly. Take care. You too. And you can and you can do that now. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Good text from Caroline, who's down in Estevan. Uh, when's the best time to transplant an iris? What's the best method? I would usually do my irises in the early spring, um, and the best method to do them is irises usually will multiply over the years. Yep. So you'll have to divide them a little bit. You want to do that while they're dormant still. Um, you can do it in the fall um, after they've gone dormant as well, but it's best to do them in the spring because then they've then you're not having to risk them um, having winter kill. In the fall, you can do it as long as I, I tend to. They're tough as nails anyways, but I tend to want to mulch them. A little mm-hmm. bit. If I transplant them in the fall, water them in really well and then mulch them. But in the spring, yeah, I do it as soon as the frost is out of the ground. Okay, like and the middle of April, basically. The method? How should we do that? Yeah, like- so you just dig around them. Depends if you're wanting to divide them or not. So if you're wanting to divide them, I would dig around them, lift them up, and then kind of you can shake some of the soil off. And then you can kind of see where that you need to divide them because you'll be able to see the little um, bulbs um, where they kind of separate. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not wanting to divide them, you just take a nice big root ball if you don't want to disturb them as much as possible and then move them into your new location. Okay. Perfect. Uh, let's go to another text from Kathy, who's in Martinsville. Sorry, no, I got to skip that one. We're going to go to Kathy. I'm looking for a little more information. We have a Kathy who wants to text us, looking for uh, what's hopping, but the half of the text is missing. So, Kathy, retext us, and we can get your question answered for us, please. Uh, Will is in Regina. Good morning. Is it better to trim globe cedars now or in the spring? Just need to give them a trim to get the round shape back. Yeah, you can do it now. Now is the perfect time to do it okay. if you want. Uh, just remember, only prune back as far as you still see green. You don't want to go to sticks, okay? You don't want to trim it so that you just see brown and sticks. You, yeah. don't, you don't want to do that. So you can trim it back right now, or you can trim it back first thing in the spring, either one. Uh, this is from Donna, who's in Saskatoon, says, Good morning. Just planted a bunch of new uh, shrubs and trees and a newly landscaped yard in a Brighton neighborhood. That's yep. in Saskatoon, and it's a yep. new new area. How should they be watered until freeze-up? Okay, so right now, uh, if they're just newly planted, I, I just planted, I don't know, probably about 50 shrubs yesterday. Yep. And uh, so I gave them a good double watering. I watered them really well, almost triple watered them, so... I'm trying to wet the soil around them because the soil around them was kind of dry. And then so I'll I'll water them about every third or fourth day, just a light watering, just to keep the root ball from drying out. I want the build I want the roots because soil temperature is still really warm. So I want the roots to root out. And uh and you've then, also added mike into that soil. I had mike too. and I added some alfalfa pellets as well into each hole as well. And so I I you know, I got everything going to, to promote that root growth. And then what I'm going to do is well, by the end of September, then I'm really going to start slowing it down. I'm going to not, I'm going to keep them a little bit moist, but I'm going to slow down the watering. So get them ready for wintertime. Mm, okay. All right. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh This is Nikki says, I live outside of East End. I'm wondering what causes tomatoes to split on the top while they're growing. I also had some brown bumps on the main stalks and stems of some of my tomatoes. What might cause this? I don't know what to do. I couldn't ask Google. They don't cover everything. So 
So she says she's here for the show to find out. So A, splitting tomatoes, and then B, brown bumps on the main stalks and stems. So the brown bumps on the main stalks of the stems, that's completely natural for tomatoes to have that. Um, that is like, they get almost like little root bumps on the, on the sides and sometimes they'll callus over and turn, turn brown. So that's nothing to worry about. Um, when you're starting to see the, the tomatoes split, that's from a few different things. It could be a little bit of lack of micronutrients like calcium. Um, so using a good tomato fertilizer, like an organic, um, one, an yeah. organic tomato yeah. fertilizer with lots of micronutrients is really important, especially when you're looking for a fertilizer. Look for one with some added calcium um, that will help prevent that but in a season that we had this year we have a really wet spring and then we go through lots of dry spouts that's when you start seeing problems with your tomatoes too that inconsistent watering well, that's yep. the splitting um, you're talking yeah, about yeah so yeah. when you have extreme changes in yep. in how much water they're getting that's when you start seeing the splitting and the changes and that could always Cat just facing, be splitting all that kind of stuff yeah and that could just be like having a really hard drought and then oh no i i'm consistently doing it or i went on holidays for two weeks and then now i'm consistently doing it just at certain stages in their growth that will ha- that will make that happen yep, absolutely okay let's sneak in one more text and then we're going to have a quick break uh shirley is on the call but shirley hang on we'll get to your call as soon as we get back when we've got a little more time this one quick text we'll do is from uh rhonda my potato plants are still green and one is even still blooming should i wait till they turn brown or freeze up before digging up yeah tomato plants just yeah cover them like we're going to get a risk of frost so to put a just a, a light sheet over top of them to protect them because we're only going to get one night or two nights where it's going to be cool. Yep. Protect them and uh, with the warm still up 19 degrees and during the daytime, I mean those plants will those plants will still still produce. And then when they uh, and then once we start getting consistently cold temperatures and you got a bunch of green tomatoes still, pick them and bring them inside and ripen them on some paper in in some sunlight. Now is it potatoes or tomatoes? That was potatoes. Oh, potatoes. sorry, potatoes. Oh, oh, potatoes. So, sorry, potatoes. I was thinking tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, potatoes, just leave them in the ground as long as you can. Just keep harvesting them as you can. Okay. Uh, okay. You can trim off the br- the brown. Top of the brown is gone. I like leaving it there because it tells me where the potatoes are. <laughs> otherwise, yeah, I don't yeah know, that's fair. I don't know where they you are. Otherwise, dig up the whole garden. I don't think yeah. of the whole garden to find them. But otherwise, I leave. I used to put a tarp over top of the garden to, to, so the ground wouldn't freeze. Because so, they, they keep better in the ground than they will. And I noticed that even some red potatoes, if you take them too early... They'll actually the skin will, will come off. They'll they'll actually you know scrub off when you yes, dig them. They'll scrub that. off. Yeah. So that means they're not quite ready yet. So leave them as long as you can. Like I said, even if you have to, put a tarp. Put a tarp over top of them in the garden, yeah. and, and they're under the ground, so the frost isn't going to hurt the potato no, po- potatoes no. at all. In the I usually will steal from the edges as long as I can, and yep. then pull out the plants and enjoy the potato yep. crop before the ground freezes. Before then the you can go freezes. out there and, and grab them. Uh, text from Amy and Warman, Sue in Silver Park. Uh, who we've got Colleen and Moose Jaw. We've got who else here? Kim and Looseland. So lots of texts coming up, and Shirley's call is next when we get back. So stick around. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKO and 980 CJME. We are zooming through Garden Talk so quick, it's crazy. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday, one 332 8255 I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke, and we've got a few segments left. Waiting patiently in Regina is Shirley, who's on the call right now. Hi, Shirley. Hi. Um, just enjoying your show. Thank you. I, I was just wondering, uh, is there anything you can do to prevent bulls from getting into your lawn in the winter? They make quite a mess, and we have to always patch in the spring. Yep, right now you can put traps out. And what I like doing is you put traps, get an old a box or a shoe box or something like that, 
Mm-hmm. And the reason I do that for is I don't catch the little birds right now, okay? okay and yeah. and so I put the traps inside the box and I make little holes so the, so the mice can get in the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll put uh, peanut butter and a craisin or a raisin on top of okay. the peanut butter. And you'll, I've had people call in this after they try that and say, yeah, I caught 15 of them in my backyard. Like we, we've had mice and stuff in our, in our garden yep. Yep. and we've, we've also caught mice this year and a couple of voles that way too. Yep. But there's also something that's eating from the, our potatoes from the bottom up. Okay. Like the, into the ground, they're yeah. eating the bottom of the potatoes. Well, that could be voles, but it also, okay. but it also could be a mole. But a mole, you would tell because you'd see the mounds of earth, yeah, you know, sticking above the ground. Yeah, we never see yeah. the no. mounds but of the earth. The, the voles still will dig into the ground. You'll see a tiny little hole that go in the ground, and then that'll be a vole. Okay. Okay, because it's a big uh, half of the potatoes gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably a vole. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. And also, I wanted to ask you about horticultural lime and sulfur um, spray kit we have here. Yes. Can we use it on? Lime bark and Japanese tree lilac and that too. Absolutely. Okay, great. Yep. And we can use it now. We can do it now. Well, if it's if it's dormant oil in it, okay. Cause some of the kits have dormant oil. Okay. You can't use that until it's actually dormant. Okay. Okay, and that's why a lot of times it depends what you're spraying for. If you're for fungals and that for wintertime, um, you can spray it now. But I like I, a lot of my fungals if I'm spraying for you know insects and that kind of stuff. And especially as dormant oil, I'll spray it on as soon as the weather warms up in April, but the, but the plants haven't budded out yet. This is just a concentrate um, horticultural oil. It doesn't say anything about dormant on there. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, for dormant yeah. growing. See, see, dormant oil you can only use when the plants are dormant. So okay. the leaves have to be off the plant before you can spray. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay, so I can't do it till till the leaves are gone. The leaves are gone. Okay, but that's probably the, 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 when the, the snow flies. The, the sulfur <laughs> in that is fine. It's a dormant oil that you can't do right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, because usually sometimes the leaves go off when it's almost snow on the ground. Yeah, huh? that, that's why I mostly do mine in the spring. Okay. Okay. Very good. Thanks okay. very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Shirley. Take care. Bye. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Over the text line, we've got lots of text, so we're going to go through these uh, at a steady pace. Uh, Amy and Warman says they've got a two foot common lilac bush that we planted in the spring, wondering how to insulate it during the winter or if it needs insulating with straw work. Common lilac? Is that? Yeah. No. No, Don't that's tough to. as nails. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you just planted it, then you you can mulch it you if could. you wish, uh, just to protect it for the first year. But otherwise, yeah, they don't need... Most lilacs that we grow in Saskatchewan here that are hardy for a year, you don't need to cover them. They'll, they're fine on their own. You could plant it on the moon; yep. it'd be fine. Just give them, just give them a watering. <laughs> just give them a watering in, yep. o- and in October. And when do you prune your lilac? Pr- don't prune your lilacs in the fall, please. You'll cut all your blooms off. Prune them. Do a light pruning on them in the spring after they finish blooming. Hey. Okay, that's the big one. So Sue is in Silver Park, which is near Melfort. Can poppy flowers be seeded in the ground in the fall or early germination before early germination in the spring, or is it better to seed them in the spring? Either one, because normally poppies poof their seeds out in the fall anyways, naturally, right? So they, they do it naturally. They put it all over the place. So one thing about I, I, one thing about doing it in the fall is because they go through that, that dormant period where they get the cold temperatures, and that will, that will also soften the, the seed little 
little husk around the seed, and then they'll germinate in the spring. If uh, you're wanting your poppies to bloom a little earlier, I know poppies are becoming really popular to put into flower arrangements. Yeah. Um, then you want to start them in January, February, yeah. and uh, inside your house, and then you can plant them outside, yeah. and they'll be blooming a bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, second question is, where can the accordion row cover you mentioned be bought? Well, any garden any center. Any gardens. Most and, gardens. And we, we, we call it... Cautious? Cloche. 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 Okay. But it, you're going to find it, it'll, it'll look like a row cover. A row yeah. cover, basically, you'll see it looks like a mini greenhouse yep. in a bag. In a bag, in yeah. A bag. It's all kind of collapsed, so it's in like one yep. little flat package, That's mostly, correct. right? Okay. I sell lots of them. There you go. So any greenhouse should have that for yep. you there. Uh, let's go to another text here. Colleen and Moose Jaw. I have some Carl Forrester grass to plant this fall. I like some tips to get them to survive the winter. Yeah, I planted some Carl Forrester in my yard this year. Um, they're pretty tough. I just Plant- planted some yesterday. So they're pretty tough plants. Just make sure you water them in well. You can put a little mulch around the, the base. I like to have some mulch around my plants anyways because I like to keep the weeds down. Um, so I'll just mulch around the base of them, water them in well, and that's yep. about it. I'm going to be mulching around all mine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, there you go. Uh, good morning, Rick, Jill, and Jay. I'm looking for a large shade uh, for a farm setting, can American elms be recommended or they, do they have too many diseases? This is um, Kim who's in loose land. Yeah, as long as you, American elms are still good to plant or Brandon elms, Patmore elms, there's a bunch of different varieties out there. Um, they can still plant, just don't monoculture, don't plant a whole bunch of them. But you can also put a good tree as like a silver cloud maple. I mean, that one's good or a linden, a, dro- a, linden. a, a drop more linden or, tr- or true north linden. Nice big trees. Um, also, um, uh, if you got shelter, you can put an autumn blaze maple in. But you can't, you know, if you got shelter in the shelter in the town in the city or whatever. Um, so there's a bunch of them that you can put out there that'll do well. Okay, so uh, elms fine, but yep. there's also some others that would yep. be just, just as good. Don't, right? Just don't. If you're planting a whole bunch of them, don't plant all the same. Right. Okay. Uh, Darlene is in Regina. How do I winter calla lilies and canna lilies that are potted? Yeah, so you want to take them inside. They're not going to survive the winter outside nope. in the pot. So you want to bring them indoors. You can leave them in the pot or you can actually p- wait till the f- sort of the frost hits them or the cool weather makes them die down and them turn, um, turn brown. If you're wanting to bring them in before that, just take them out of the pot and lay them on some newspaper or some cardboard in your garage. Let the stalks die back down to the bulb. That's a really important step. Yeah, very important. Once they've done that, you can cut the stalks off and then just sort of store them in, um, in some like, uh, like a paper bag, paper, paper bag, bag or, or, or if you take a plastic bag, perforate it lots, mm-hmm. right? And just a hint of moisture, but barely any moisture in your peat moss or sawdust that you're using. Yeah, a newspaper in the bottom yep. of a crate works really well, yep. too. Too much moisture and they'll rot. Mm-hmm. Too much moisture, they'll rot. Okay. one 332 8255 Gene is in Kindersley. Okay, let's see. This is, a, this is a good story, right? So something that has worked for me in my garden is a uh, mulch of damp leaves. I've done this year after year, and the soil just gets more and more workable. In the fall, I rake the leaves, put them in a plastic bag, a garbage bag, add about a gallon of water. Tie them up and lay them on the, in, in my garden. Let the sun heat up the bag. Let the leaves will deteriorate and become rotten. Simply split, spread it all over the garden in the spring and rototill it in. Yep. So she's compost. making a compost. compost. Yeah, and she's speeding yep. it up by having yeah. it in those bags yep. with a bit of water, right? Yep. And the, the heat and the moisture yep. all kind of works together. Compost. Yep. 
And if you get some sticks in amongst with that, those leaves as well, that also helps break up that hard soil even quick, even better because the, you know, the, the, the actually the, the, the sticks is what breaks up the hard, the clay particles, keeps spaces between them. And that's what helps keep it a little looser. Okay. One thing that you want to make sure is if you have any leaves that you're, you're using for compost, um, and you're putting them into your garden, if you have funguses on those leaves, like a mildew or something yeah. like that, those ones should go in the garbage. You can use leaves that are nice and dry and then wet them afterwards. Yeah. Okay, and this is the last text before we go to our break here. Uh, Brenda's in Saskatoon. There's a chestnut tree in our front yard. Can the nuts be picked and eaten? No, the Ohio Buckeye no. chestnuts are not edible here. Not edible here. Not the ones that we have here in Saskatchewan. They're not edible. Okay, the, okay. that's other parts of North America. Yeah. Yep. Not here. Not here. So, sorry. Yep. <laughs> just, okay. just look under, the one we have here is called the Ohio Buckeye, Ohio or, Buckeye. or Prairie Horizon Ohio Buckeye Chestnut. Yep. And so just, just you can Google it as well and it'll, it'll show you. Okay. All okay. right. Uh, okay. We're going to take a quick break. We've got uh, Glenn's call, Vic's call. We're going to get to you guys uh, on the air just after we get back. But right now, a news update for everybody and a few more texts after this. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. All right, just half an hour left in our show. It's going by quick. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980CJME and 650CKOM. All right, we've got a couple of calls. Glenn is waiting patiently in Blaine Lake. First, we're going to go out to uh, Vic and go to Gravelberg. Hi there, Vic. Morning, Rick, Jay, and Jill. How are you doing today? Very good. Great. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, yeah we yeah. can. All right. Uh, the kids sent the picture in, and it's probably their cell phone that went in on, on the spiny thing that's taken over one end of the garden, and uh, Rick said it was a wild tomato, and some of the vines can be, like, uh, prickly. By God, you're right on, I think. Uh, and I was wondering if they grow from the root again. It's so hard to pull out. Yeah, most of them, uh, most them don't grow from the... Off, but they're yeah. quite a viney thing, and... Uh, Quite yeah. prolific too. Most of them don't grow from the root. Most of those ones will grow from the seed. That that when the tomato hits that little the the, the fruit hits the ground and then it reseeds itself. Okay. Uh, Rick, Rick, I can't hear you. Uh, yeah. Probably it's my cheap phone. Yeah. It's it's normally they reseed themselves. They reseed themselves. They don't grow from the root. All good. Okay. Okay, there you go. So, so that that's the way they'll they'll regrow, and uh, so if you don't want them to come up again, just pick all those little fruits off, and then they won't have that problem of them growing back in there again. I tell you what, though, Rick, they were green, and then they turned kind of dark, and I took a bite of one, and holy crap, the uh, my throat went numb. <laughs> They're uh, real strong. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to eat them, but just like I said, if you want to pick them and then, and then so that they won't reseed themselves, that, then just pick them and toss them. But as a warning, don't, no, nobody eat it. I, yeah. <laughs> I can even breathe. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, no, no, yeah, just. That's good to know. Uh, they yep. take it over and, uh, if there's a nice lush, uh, alfalfa plant in the field, I'll make an alfalfa tea out of that. It seems to work good too for tomatoes and stuff. Yep, perfect. Don't tell the city people that they'll clean off somebody's 20-acre field. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Thanks for the call, Vic. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks very much. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go to Blaine Lake right now. We're going to talk to Glenn, who's out there. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Good morning. What's your question for us? Well, the first one that I have is um, I planted asparagus this year and been very fortunate with the way they're coming up. What do I do in the fall? Just leave them and clip them in the spring, or 
Yeah, you can leave them. You, you, if you want to wait, to, if the top goes right brown, then you can trim that off if you want to. Um, uh, otherwise, if you want to also, you can m- mulch them for the wintertime, and then you'll, you'll get a better, better take for next spring as well if you mulch them. Okay. The second one is uh, I've got a garden that I've started last year. Uh, it's in pretty heavy gumbo. I've got one half ton load of manure on it. I've got uh, shavings, um, and I know you say gypsum. Yep. So that's the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Just w- watch the manure though, because you if you go too much manure, you're going to get you know the problem with your ground crops like potatoes. You'll get lots of scab on them. Okay. Okay. So areas where you're going to put the potatoes next year, because you're going to rotate your, your crop around. Right. So the area you want to put potatoes in for next year, don't put as much manure in that area. Otherwise, you're going to have potato scab. It has proven what you said has been proven. Thank you for that advice. Okay. <laughs> now, one more thing with your asparagus is you want to wait till those um, those stalks, it's best to prune them in the fall, but yep. wait till those stalks turn yellow or brown. And your asparagus, you shouldn't be harvesting them until they're about the width of your pinky Pink. finger. Yep. And then they're ready to harvest. You want the energy to keep going back into the roots until they're about that size so that you can get that crop but, nice and strong. But you should be able to see that. You left them for the first year. Now, next year, you should be able to get that yes. size. Um. I have a neighbor who has them, and he has red berries, which I believe are the seed pods. Is that correct? Could be the seed pods, yep. Um, like there'll be a big stalk with a lot of branches out of them and all the little seed pods on top of that. Right. Okay. So I can take some of those and plant them as well then? Uh, it depends. They, they might not turn out to be the same. It depends what they're cross-pollinated with, right? So most people take them by a root division, right? So to keep them all the same. Okay. Um, and the last one is I have a jade plant that I had out a year ago, and of course I didn't spray it. Uh, through the winter time, it the leaves sort of shrunk because I assumed the moisture was being sucked out of them. I put them outside this year and never did anything with them. What do I do or what product do I use to uh, get rid of the infestation of whatever is on them? And should I replace the soil totally as well? I would probably, if something's been outside, you'll usually have um, either aphids or you'll have spider mite or you'll have a mealybug on your plant. And the mealybug is there's a soil mealy and there's also a mealybug. It almost looks like a little cotton and lives in like the um, the stems and the leaves. Um, you can spray that with endol, which is a pyrethrin. So you can spray that with that. You can also do a, a drench with it as well too. So you can mix up when you're doing your transplant and take sort of the the soil off the roots and then kind of just do a, a dunk with the with the roots into the into the endol mixture. Um, if you just have a little bit on the leaves, you can also take some rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip and you can uh, get the mealy bug off with that as well. But you'll need, if you spray them, you're going to need to spray them at least twice, okay, 10 days apart. So you're going to have to move it isolated from being other around other plants in the house otherwise until you got your at least two or three sprayings done first, okay? Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate your information and thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care. Take care. Bye now. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. A nice simple question coming here from Regina. Let's go talk to Jean right now. Hi, Jean. Hi there. Um, 
I have two hostas that were given to me about a month ago. They're in about a four to five inch pot. Yes. Can I still plant them in the ground now? Absolutely. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. I and, mul- kind of, and mulch them for the first winter. Right. Uh, I kind of kept them because they look so nice on my patio table. I didn't want to put them in the ground yep. yet. I wanted to enjoy them in the pot. I just, so. I just, this last week I planted a bunch of hostas, so you're good to go. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Gene. Take care. Bye. All right. And, that you know, that's a funny because it's the same text we were going to answer next from Catherine was, I bought a couple hostas in a pot from the garden center a month ago. Can I still plant them or is it too late? Nope. So there's You the can answer. plant all of your perennials right up till freeze up. And right now is actually a perfect time to plant. I know a lot of garden centers, they're having their sales trying to clear out their stock before the winter. Um, and so you can get in the garden centers, get some good deals on your plants and plant up your yard. You, I usually with my perennials and my trees and shrubs, I'll mulch a little bit the winter if I'm planting them late. Use some mike for, mike, not fertilizer, mycorrhizomes, um, on your plants when you're, um, when you're transplanting yep. and then water them in well and you will have great success. I had, my just planted my, some, a bunch of hostas and they all, you know, I, I took whatever from the garden center, you know, was left over and that kind of stuff and I put mulch around the plant, I put some mics and some alfalfa pellets around them and they just, they actually just perked right up. They're looking actually really good sticking out of the mulch. All right. Let's get a couple more texts in here. Uh, this is Shelly, who's in Katepwa. Two questions. I want to bring my uh, a lot of geranium plants over winter. Would I let them die down and trim them back and store them upside down, bare root in a box in a cool basement? Does that work? It works, but best to leave them in a pot and just trim them back before you bring them inside, you know, to about basically about six, eight inches off the pot. Okay. And then trim them back and then uh, spray them so you get rid of all the insects and just barely water them maybe once a month, every three weeks, whenever, depending on how dry your house is, and then uh, start getting them growing them again in January, February. If I'm to be honest, when you're taking your geranium in, we call that the mother plant. What you're really wanting to do is take cuttings off that mother plant in the spring and make new baby yep. plants for the next year for your growing, yep. and that's what you're going to have as your beautiful plant. And for, and for us, you're taking those cuttings in February. In February. Okay. So you're wanting to keep that plant going a little bit so you can have that mother plant. It might not have very many leaves on it, but you can take some cuttings off of it and then those are the ones that are going to be used in the yard for hey, next year. I've got a lime green I've got lime green caterpillars in some of my garden boxes. Yep. They attacked my kale and kohlrabi plants yep. uh, eating them back to nothing. Yep. I picked the plants, the caterpillars and all eggs I could find got them to a garbage bag, sealed it up will our cold winter kill the eggs I missed? Yes. If not, should I plant crops in a different location? You might, some of the caterpillars will go into will leave and go into cocoon and then they'll, they won't die because it'll, it'll be the moth will come out and the little moth will lay its eggs and that's where you'll get the caterpillars. So next year, remember we talked about using that crop cover over top and when you see the moth flying around your kale or your cabbage and that put the crop cover over top so they won't get on top and lay the eggs. Perfect. Let's take a quick break. We're going to get back to all the text. The lightning round is coming up next. Uh, we'll, we'll go through them all as many as we can. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is the lightning round here on Garden Talk, the very last segment of the show. Can't believe how fast it's gone by. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday. Let's go right now. we got one call to get through to talk to Gene in Battleford. Hi, Gene. Hi there. What's your question for us? Um, I have a Battleford apple tree. It's two years old. We got our first crop of six apples off it uh, this summer. Um, and instead of the leaves being uh, soft and green, they've turned dark and they feel papery. And I'm wondering if it needs 
some spray or something, or if that's kind of normal for a new tree when it uh, hits the fall? No, well, I mean, the leaves are turning a bit color right now, uh, but they shouldn't be, they're papery, so you're, you're not, they're not green anymore, you said? No, they're, they're quite dark. They're green, but they're quite dark. They're quite dark. Um, dark. Did, you get any fro- um, did you get any frost in your area? We did get a little bit, um, but it was very mild. Yeah, so you, know, you might have, you might be just getting, it might be just getting ready to start. Uh, to to uh, the other one, it could be is is if it's if it's a dark color, it could be a f- aphids in the tree too. Like right now in the fall, you'd have a lot of aphids as well um, okay. in the apple trees. So you can watch for those, and if it is that, then you can spray them with just an, like an insecticidal soap or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I can do that. I've had a lot of aphids this year. Yeah. Um, so, and, and what uh, happens with the black is that that's just the excretion of the sap, okay, that they're, they're sucking on the, on the leaves. So yeah. that would be why they were turning black. But otherwise, you might have just got hit with a little bit of frost, and they're just starting to turn a bit of color. But normally, they would turn a yellowy color first, right? Not a okay. black. Yeah. So, um, okay. but uh, look for the aphids. That would be the big thing. Um, yeah. the, the fungal, it, that's not a fungal that I'm, that I'm thinking about. I mean, most fungals that they get are in, in blights they get are, they turn more of a rusty brown color, okay? Rather okay. than that. Yeah. So, uh, but what I would do is if you're worried about that as well, is just when the leaves drop, clean up all the leaves and then get them, don't compost those leaves, okay? Don't compost. No, them. don't compost those leaves. If if you're worried about them, just don't compost those leaves. Throw, put them in a bag and, and toss them, okay? Get them out of the yard. I've seen a couple of leaves that are kind of curly, and I've looked at them, and they've got some, um, you know, kind of a webby thing in them. But I don't see any insect or anything yeah, in there. That's a spi- That could be a spider mite then too. Okay. Okay. So watch, watch. That could be that could be a, that as well. So if it's a black black, you give a heavy spider mite infestation. So, yeah. um, but then just you can look for that with a magnifying glass, and you'll see them. Okay, and for spider mites, is it still the soapy solution? Yeah, soapy solution, or if it's really bad, then use malathion. Malathion, yep. okay. okay. All right, can I have one more question? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Gene, we actually were running out of time already, okay. so we got sorry. Joy coming up and a whole bunch of text to get okay. to. So if you'd like, you can simply send a question to rick at Perfect. and send an email that way, okay? All right, thank Thanks. you very have much. Thanks, great to hear. Yeah. 1-877-332-8255. We've got to go to Estevan right now and talk to Joy. Hi, Joy. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I have a mountain ash, like we've had it for about four or five years, and it's about uh, nine or ten feet tall. Um, just wondering, when will I get the red berries? And if it doesn't get the red berries, what does it mean? Yeah, you'll start getting the red berries probably the next two years from now. Sometimes it takes up to four to five years, okay, to get oh, the berries. Okay. But just make sure that you use a, a, a like a, almost like a fruit and berry fertilizer in the spring. And then that, that will help promote more of the, it has all the micronutrients in them, like calcium and boron, magnesium, and that will also help you produce the fruit as well. Okay. Because you want to promote flowering, okay? That's the big one. Yeah, well, and I, I thought that it had flowered this year, so I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to get berries this year, yeah. but there was nothing. Yeah, well, it, it depends whether there was another mountain, rush, mash, mountain ash around also in the area uh, to cross-pollinate, Right. You need you need two mountain ash. Usually, a lot of times you'll need just like most berries, you'll need you'll need two. But like I said, the most times there's so many mountain ashes around, you got don't have a problem, right? Well, we so, live on an acreage, though, so so you might you might have to plant another one or get a neighbor to plant one. It, it doesn't take much, okay? So if you want to get lots of berries, have more mountain ashes around. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Um, also, we have a cedar bush, and it's got webs on it. Does that hurt anything? If it's just a big garden web, spider webs, and I seen a bunch yesterday that had just sp- garden spiders on them, uh, that's not a problem at all. It's the spider mite, the spider webs that you can barely see, that's the problem ones. Okay. Oh, like the spiders that you can barely see. Yeah, that that you'll you have to take a magnifying glass to see them. You can almost see the the leaves, the the needles on on the cedar turns almost like a, a like a gray color. Then you know you have a spider mite. Okay. okay, and I can just spray that with soapy water. Yep, soapy water, or the best one is just spray them down with water. Period, or use malathion. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Joy. Take care. 1-877-332-8255. Trudy in Weyburn. I've got a question about powdery mildew. How do, we go, how do I get rid of it? Uh, I've gotten it under my zucchini, squash, cucumber plants. Year after year, I want to eliminate it. Yeah, garden fungicide is the best thing you want to use, just a sulfur spray. You can spray it on in about every 10 to 12 days um, when our weather starts getting nice and warm. Consistent watering is really important, too. Um, and then at the end of the season, just make sure you clean up all those leaves. If you start seeing a spore on some of those leaves, remove some of those leaves that have the spores on them, and then make sure you wash your hands or gloves really well the, afterwards. The, key, the big key is use a drip irrigation system. Don't use water from over top of the leaves, and don't water in the evening. Okay, make sure the sun, the sun is, can dry off the leaves before you go into nighttime. Uh, that's the key, number one key. Okay, last question we'll get on the air here. And if we didn't get your text on the air, we'll text you back uh, when we get off the air. Uh, I used sheep manure on my garden. It was too rich. No weeds even grew. How, oh. do, I, how do I mend the soil for next year? Yeah, just, just work your soil up this fall and then again in the spring. Yeah. And then that way you try to compost it quicker. You don't get some air into it and compost it. Um, yeah, just be careful. You don't want to go rich, too rich of anything. So, um, so maybe you could add some other things, cedar um, mulch. Well, just there's lots of plants that that like a heavier manure, like you know, lots a lot of lot of corn and those kind of things. They'll okay. they'll like that in those areas. But uh, things like potatoes it, and your ground crops will not like yeah, that. Right. Exactly. Okay. Hey, there's one more rec- recommendation. It's starting right away, and it's called A Touch of Autumn. It is the Honeywood Heritage Nursery, which is uh, near Parkside, Saskatchewan, yep. and that's close to Shellbrook, in between Blaine Lake and Shellbrook. It's starting right away. It starts right now. Right now, in fact, but it's still lots of time to go for a nice yeah. Sunday family drive out to a great event happening until uh, 4 o'clock today exactly see uh, a fantastic uh, garden landscape Yep, it's kind of a little nice fair little, going on nice, nice little country ride exactly alright okay. that's it for today thanks for joining us we'll see you same time same place next weekend I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. this has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM